This episode of Love Etc. will highlight some challenging gender dynamics. In two of the three stories featured, there is an imbalance of power. One woman says it blossomed into love anyway. Another says she'd never go back to how things were. Because here's the thing. Forbidden romances are often, not always, but often, deemed forbidden because there is an unequal power dynamic at play. And that's exactly what we're going to explore here. From Bumble Australia and Shameless Media, this is Love Etc. When my love takes me home, it's one of five to thirty miles on. Foot like lead, nerves like steel, wild ride when it's taking the Have you ever been in a secret relationship? Have you ever felt like if you told the world who you were dating, they would instantly judge you? Or have you always been intrigued by love that seems so much more dramatic than your own? Welcome to Love Etc., where your hosts, Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, you're listening to Love Etc., a podcast by Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move. Today, we're talking about forbidden romance. To do that, we are bringing you three stories from three very different women who all have remarkable tales of keeping their relationship a secret. First, we're starting with Sasha, a woman who felt attracted to her boss the minute she walked into her job interview. Sasha, tell us about the day you applied for a job at a big, well-known fashion brand. So my friend Kira, she actually was a Christmas casual there and she had left but she told me about how great the workplace was there and how great the environment was and I was like, I need a new job, let's go, like I need to apply there. So that's how I got it. So you didn't apply for the retail stores, you applied to work in the factory Yes, I was working in the warehouse as a warehouse assistant. What does a warehouse assistant do? I was in the e-commerce team Mm. and I would pick and pack orders for Australian and New Zealand customers. Did you like it? Yeah, I love it. I love that job. Because you're still in it, aren't you? Yes, I love it. So talk to us about that job because it seems like a cool brand. I think it's, you know, those kinds of jobs when you're young, when you hear the brand, you're like, oh, that seems like a cool place to work. I'm going to work there, which was what happened to you. And you get in there. Is the vibe kind of similar? Everyone's kind of young and fun and... A hundred percent. Everyone is, it's like a family vibe. We have so much fun. We do incursions, excursions. We have free breakfasts and we... It's just a family vibe. Like we all love each other so much and it's just a great environment to work in. It doesn't feel like work. It feels like you're volunteering and getting paid for it. Really? Tell us about the job interview. Who interviewed you? There were three of my bosses that interviewed us and it was a group interview and we literally did paper airplane competition to find out if you got hired or not. (laughs) Yeah. So they asked you to make the best paper airplane you could? Well, yes. And we also... They also asked us questions like, what is your spirit animal and stuff like that, yeah. So they really wanted you to be a cultural fit rather than a good worker, right? Is that the sense that I'm getting? Their whole motto is, do you fit in with the culture? Like, are you the best fit for a team player role? Do you have that fun energy? Are you ready to just join in with any fun that we have? Yeah. Of the three bosses that interviewed you that day, one of them was Andrew. Yes, correct. What was your first impression of Andrew? What was he like and what was his place on the hierarchy within the business? So he was really lovely. He's very quiet. He was very engaging. He would look at you directly, make eye contact and be very calm. He had a calm composure to him Mm. and he is second to the top boss. Did you think he was hot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. So this very, very high attractive. up man is interviewing you. Yes. Having incredibly good eye contact. Yes. He's insanely attractive. Yes. What was going through your head at that time? So my friends find it funny, but we always have this running joke where I really love men who are older and in power. That is like my shtick. <laughs> and so it was always on my bucket list to sleep with a boss And when I first saw him, I was like, wow, he's so attractive. He's so beautiful. 
so lovely, but I'll never get him. It's a pipe dream. But I did say to my friends, I was interviewed by a really hot guy. <laughs> and when you say to your friends, I was interviewed by a really hot guy, is the conversation also like, fuck, it would be nice for this to be ticked off my bucket list? Yeah. Really? Yes. So you were gunning? I was hoping. I just tried. <laughs> was, were you I was doing hoping. the whole like? Were you doing the whole checking out his hand to see if he had a wedding ring on? Because he's older than you. He's almost a decade older older Correct. than you. Were you sussing him out? Were you stalking him on social media profiles to see if he had a girlfriend? Um, I had. I met people there at the workplace, and they had already been friends with him for a very long time because he had worked at my workplace for a very long time already. So they told me everything that I needed to know. And what was that? That he had recently gotten out of a long-term relationship, but it had been a few years and he was single and he loves younger girls. Interesting. So you take the job. Mm -hmm. Obviously he offers it to you Mm -hmm. if you had such amazing eye contact. And what is your game plan from there? You start working, you love the culture, you know that lots of the people working with you are young and very similar. How do you then like move between being professional with your boss to being something more? So our atmosphere at work is not really professional. It feels like you're at a, at a school environment. It's very playground-esque. We all have banter and it's very cheeky nature in the warehouse. So I didn't think I could get him for a very long time. I was quite insecure and I just wasn't looking my best at that time. So then uh, the work Christmas party came. Which as always, that's where it starts. (laughs) Um, And I realised there was a time where we looked at each other and I was like, I reckon I can get him. You've got to explain this to us. So, What was the look? Where were you? Where was he? And how did you know? Okay, we were at a club. We were all there and we were all dancing. And then I was just like, we kept gravitating towards each other. And I was looking at him and he was looking at me and I, I was like, oh, maybe there's something there, like maybe. Because he was quite flirty with me as well. But then we got Maccas afterwards, as most people do at a club. And I just looked at him. I don't know. I can't explain it. It's just, it felt like we had chemistry and I was like, I reckon I have a chance. So across your McDonald's meals, yes. you were like, I'm <laughs> Across my fucking McNugget meal. That was amazing. <laughs> and I threw up like two hours later, but we had eye contact and it was like, there was just chemistry. Over the nuggies. Over the, <laughs> over the McNugget meal. Yes, correct. So you're you're sitting having this very romantic candlelit dinner at like three oh, o'clock in the morning course. at McDonald's. Do you go home together? No, no. This is just the beginning. So a couple months go by, but we start becoming a bit more cheeky at work and there's a bit more banter and we're a bit more flirty. But like, I don't think I really can get him. Like, I'm just, I'm like, wow, there's there's a chance, but who knows? There's a chance, but it's a slim chance. It's a, a very slim chance. And also I was like, it's on my bucket list. Like, i got to try. <laughs> <laughs> and my friends were gunning for me. They're like, you've got a hot bus. Come on, you can do it. So then... I'm out with my girlfriends in Brunswick and they're already just like, what's the word? Sorry, Egging me on. Yes, correct. To message him and be like, oh, I'm in the city. Like, are you out in the city as well? Let's catch up. That's a normal thing for a lot of us to do at our workplace. So I didn't think it was abnormal. The issue was that he replied back, hey, yeah, I am. Here's my Snapchat. Oh. And then I was like, okay, all right, cool. So I got his Snapchat. I'm lost. Oh, Zara, you so weren't in the dating game at this time. Getting a Snapchat, Is that's this- like code for let's send each other pics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you not know that? You're having a revelation during <sighs> Messenger this. Messenger is still kind of professional. It's and not friendly. really professional. It's but because it's the messages social, disappear, yeah. right? Is that yeah. it? Is it's that just, the allure of it? Just, There's a hornier a, yeah. connotation to Snapchat. Yeah. You just That's where you send your nudes because you know they're never going to be saved. So he asks you to add him on Snapchat. You mm-hmm. add him. What is the first thing he sends? I can't remember, but it was friendly Snapchat messages. Mm-hmm. And then one day I was on my way to uni. I was on the train and I'd sent a picture of my legs and I was wearing skinny jeans at the time, but they were ripped. And... I'd sent him a photo and I was just like, on my way to uni. (laughs) And he replied back, oh, do you want to show some more skin? And I was like, oh, all 
okay. And so I kind of got the hint that he was like kind of into me and I was like, we're in boys to my girlfriends. (laughs) So when did it finally happen? So he messaged me and he was meeting with a friend who lived in my hometown and he was like, I can come over to yours after that. And I was like, oh my God, it's actually happening. And so he just came over to my house at like 8 p.m. So just out of nowhere, he was like, I'm finally going to make this call. I'm going to come to your house. Yes. Yeah. Was that bizarre to see your much older boss who is, what, three rungs on the hierarchy yes. above you yep. in your house? Was that a weird so thing? So weird. So weird. And what's worse was my parents were home. <laughs> <laughs> say anything my parents are so chill like they are like very hippie like so they honestly didn't give a shit do they know it was your boss yeah they were they were just like supportive they're like oh just go on (laughs) so he stays the night obviously no he doesn't stay the night i kick him out sorry no i'm jumping ahead i'm making assumptions (laughs) sorry you don't let him stay no i was like after the deed was done i was like yeah you can leave now okay wait we need to rewind (laughs) Tell me about having sex with your boss, first of all. Okay. You can't skip that part. How did that happen? So he's, he's there. He's there. He's on my bed. We were chatting about work, which was kind of weird. And then I just like went in because I was like, he's not going to do it. I'm going to do it. So I just went in for the kill. Went in for the kill as in you kissed him yes. or you started taking your clothes off or what? I started kissing him and then it just went on from there. It was actually pretty good. Rate the sex out of 10. I want to say at the time I thought it would be maybe an 8 out of 10, but in hindsight it was probably like a 6 out of 10. So <laughs> I was quite naive and it was like my first yeah. casual it guy. Was also points for bucket list, you know? Yeah, oh, obviously, yes. <laughs> okay, so you go back to work on Monday. Yes. How is it? Is it awkward? Are you nervous going in there? I'm so nervous because, as I said, it's like my first – guy that I've slept with and like continue to see before that I just had one night stands it was it was nerve-wracking but he was normal and so I kind of became normal from that but in saying that I was very like stay away from him because I don't want anyone to know that anything's happening or it look bizarre or weird or because people are very keen on the eye in, at work and they're just very is it gossipy it's very gossipy because it's a family environment everyone like likes to chat with each other and it's, you can't really keep a secret there So I'm guessing you told all of your girlfriends straight away, but as far as telling anyone at work, you just didn't want to. I told two of my friends at work, but that was before we had sex because I didn't think it would get that far. I was just like, oh, haha, I have him on Snapchat. This is hilarious. How far can I take it? This is on my bucket list. I've always wanted to do this, but like, I didn't think there was an actual chance. I was just, I don't know. I was very naive. So you're 20, you're sleeping with your much older boss yes. at work. What were the best moments of having sex with your boss like? How long did it go on for? And what were the worst moments? Best moments of sex? Okay. He was just really good in bed. He wasn't very affectionate, but I think that's just in hindsight because he didn't want to be affectionate with me. Um, he was just really good and he lasted very long. So I was like loving it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you want them to last long, but he lasted Sometimes too long. It was weird. <laughs> How often were you sleeping together at its peak? It would be like mm, once a fortnight, I would say. And how long were you able to keep it a secret for? So I would say until the next work Christmas party. So it lasted around seven months. So you were sleeping together for seven months? Yes, correct. How does that end? So it ended due to people finding out. I thought we were great and like no one was finding out like my friends they kept their mouth shut it was great at the office Christmas party one of my higher-ups got curious as to why Andrew was buying me drinks constantly and kind of he was just around me a lot and he got really suspicious and he knew that from snap maps that Andrew was going around to my hometown a lot and he was wondering why so Andrew's colleague, who's on the same level as him, yes. is stalking Andrew on Snapchat <laughs> and finds out that he's spending a lot of time in your hometown and then thinks you're sleeping together. All thanks to Snap Maps. Well, Snap Maps was a factor, but it wasn't everything. It was just how me and Andrew acted towards each other at the office Christmas party as well. It was very, 
it wasn't professional as it should have been. So what happens? Are you pulled into a meeting? So our environment isn't like that. Andrew's colleague is also a very close friend of Andrew's. And so he came up to me and was like, look, I know something's going on. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, no, 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 I do. And also I've told your other supervisor. So now you need to end things. And I was like, okay. And this is at the office Christmas party while I was very drunk. (laughs) So I told Andrew and Andrew obviously starts getting very upset. But I was like, we can just disclose the information to the top boss and it should be fine because technically there's no regulations against sleeping together, dating between colleagues at our workplace. But he didn't want that. Did you like him? Did you love him? Did you want to date him? So when we first started, it was very casual. We agreed casual. We agreed no one is to sleep with anyone else in the warehouse because that's weird. So like you can sleep with anyone else, but just not in the warehouse. And he kept it casual, but you know, I started getting feelings towards the end, which is obviously my fault. But um, But also very natural. Yeah. And he did act like more than casual a lot of the time. So it was, and it was very hard because you're seeing this guy every day at work. So it's kind of like you're dating and then sleeping together on the weekends and stuff. So were you really upset when it ended? Very upset. I was in denial for a long time about how I felt because I was like, oh, it's fine. We both agreed casual. Like I actually feel fine. And then I kept seeing him at work and not allowed to express how I actually felt because no one knew about it in the first place. So it bottled up all my emotions and I was very high strung for a very long time. I'm a little bit confused. Sorry. Yeah. Just about the fact that your other boss wanted you to deal with it. Was there a reason why he came to you and said you need to end this instead of dealing with it more professionally? He was leaving soon and Again, our work environment is not as professional as you may think it is. So when it ended, were you at all concerned about what it meant for your job? Because this was your boss's boss's boss. And yes. And you were in a relationship-ish with him and yeah. then it's ended. Does that concern you that maybe that power could be abused? Yeah, 100%. I was very concerned, but I had been reassured by his friends, which were coincidentally my friends at the workplace, that he would never do that. He would never jeopardise my position. How are you and Andrew today? We haven't spoken in six months. Is there a reason you haven't spoken in six months? He got a girlfriend from the warehouse. How Fuck off. How quickly? A month later, but he kept it a secret until four months later. So when did you find out? I found out on my birthday. (gasps) Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found out, yeah, on my birthday in September. So which was that a few months after you'd split? A few months after I found out because my friend told me, she sat me down she's like, listen, I've heard rumours, but I think it's definitely true. He's gone and authorised his relationship or he's gone above board to authorise his relationship make it official with his girlfriend with your co-worker my team lead oh. <laughs> how, do you, how do you rock up to work that isn't that just gut-wrenching it was very hard because I thought we were friends and I thought he respected me regardless of us ending things and it was just a kick in the guts like I honestly it was, I was in a pretty bad mental state from it because it was every day I would see him and her and I couldn't react in the way I wanted to and I also had to react maturely because I didn't want to be seen as the girl that was upset with everything and you know I didn't want pity so I had to react very maturely and just leave it. So did she know your team leader about your relationship with Andrew? So he initially lied to her and said that nothing happened between us. And then she got a clue that that was probably not the truth. And then he he said, yeah, but she initiated all of it and it only lasted a month or two months. And that's basically it, like nothing really happened. So how is work today? So 
she actually got fired like two weeks ago for treating me terribly. Wow. So she yeah. did treat you terribly once she found she, out. She's a very young girl. She's 19. So I felt bad for her. I thought, you know what? He's gaslighting her. I know how he is. And I tried to tell her, I was like, look, this is what actually happened. This is my truth. Do what you want with it. If you want to stay with him, good on you. That's fine. I don't mind. She went to him, told him everything. He goes, yeah, she's a jealous bitch. She just wants to get back with me. And I was like, no, 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 that's not true at all. But she obviously sided with him, which, you know, she loves him. So I couldn't do anything about it. But she started treating me terribly because of him. He would put ideas in her head, basically. Does any of this make you want to leave? I contemplated it many times. I was really, really in a bad state. I would come to work. She would treat me poorly because she would have a fight with him and then project her emotions onto me. I would be excluded from a lot of things. I was very much higher up or senior in my e-commerce team and she would just never listen to my advice because she was quite new and she didn't really know all the operations involved with that. Do you know if you two are the only women that your boss has slept with at um, the company? I definitely know that he had a, another girl before me. From the company? From the company. Who, three girls? Yes, three girls. And they were all young. So she was 20, but she had a baby and she wanted more and he was like, no. <laughs> My God. What has this taught you about like power and workplace relationships. If there's a young woman listening to this who's tempted by, you know, mm. your bucket list, which was your bucket list to sleep with the boss, what would you tell them? Don't shit where you eat. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> to the point, concise. <laughs> it's like, don't fuck around with it, Sasha. Straightforward. <laughs> I think what I would say is do not put yourself in a position where you're not aware of the consequences involved if it goes poorly. Also, if there's a powerful female boss listening to this and she's currently contemplating sleeping with a much younger co-worker, what would you say to her? Don't do it. Andrew has actually lost all respect in the warehouse because of it. How do you know that he's lost all respect? When the rumours came out, I confirmed them because I didn't give a fuck anymore. And everyone realised he was a sleaze and basically he doesn't speak to anyone anymore and he's very introverted now. He's very recluse at the moment. How are you doing? How do you feel about love now? Oh, great. <laughs> I'm just, I'm glad I experienced what I experienced. It's definitely taught me a lot. I had a lot of emotional growth from it. I've realised what I allow and what I don't allow and I'm currently seeing a guy at the moment and he's great and he definitely showed me what I'm supposed to be treated like, how I'm supposed to be treated like and what I actually deserve, which is a lot. <laughs> He's also not your boss. He's definitely not my <laughs> boss. <laughs> definitely not. Coming up after the break, two very different kinds of forbidden love. But first, it's time for a bumble break. Mish, did you know that the scourge of the unsolicited nude photo is over, well, on Bumble at least? Yep, Bumble has launched a safety feature called Private Detector Ooh. in an effort to better shield their community from harassment and unsolicited nudes. Private Detector? How right? good is that? This latest layer of protection on Bumble is the direct result of feedback from a national survey they commissioned in 2018. The results confirmed that a staggering one in three women had received an unsolicited nude image at some point in their lives. Oh my God. Hand up right there. I can relate to this. Of these, 96% were unhappy to have been sent the photo in question. Also not another surprising stat that I 96% that. aren't happy. Private Detector works by using AI to automatically blur a nude image shared within a chat. It'll then alert you that you've been sent something potentially inappropriate and it is up to you whether you decide to view or block the image. Also, if you hate the image, you can also easily report it to Bumble. I love it. Bumble being the police we always need exactly. in this instance. Even better, Bumble has enacted 
tangible change around the sending of unsolicited lewd images in the US, developing legislation in Texas that makes the unsolicited sending of lewd nude images punishable by law. The measure, House Bill 2789, passed the Texas Senate unanimously in May and became law on September 1, 2019. How amazing is that, practising what they preach? I know. Download Bumble today and make the first move. One app, three modes, one mission. The next story of Forbidden Love doesn't have a neat ending or even a solution in sight. Instead, it's the story of two women who, one day soon, will be forced to choose their faith in their families or each other. Here's Kate. Kate, where we want to start today is your childhood. You grew up in an extremely conservative family. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about that? So, originally my parents grew up as Catholic and... They converted to becoming independent Baptists when they were fairly young. I think they were in uni and, yeah, it became their whole life and it's sort of like this thing where they rebelled against their parents and, yeah, they're really proud of that and they kind of carried that with them from where I'm from to Australia and they're really solid about that. So I grew up in this family where it was like, we have to go to church every Sunday. We have to go every Wednesday. We go to all these other church events, like on Saturdays, anything that the church would do. So I grew up in this like circle of Christianity where I didn't really know anything about the outside. So lots of your childhood revolved around religion and spirituality. Yeah. So what kinds of events? Was it such a tight community that you saw these people multiple times a week every week? Pretty much three times a week minimum. Wow. Yeah. How were you when you were a kid? What was your relationship with religion like then? I didn't see anything else. So I didn't really know anything else. Like it was my whole world. I believed in God. It was like an absolute thing that I believed in. I believed in gays being wrong and Everything was just like black and white. Everything was either sin or not sin. Has your relationship with Christianity changed over the years or has it been quite stable and consistent for you? It's changed a lot because of who I am. I struggle with it a lot because in the Bible it's just like, you can't be gay. And then there's other people that are like, yeah, you can. And I struggle with it. And for those of us who potentially didn't grow up in households like this, can you really illustrate it for us? When you say that you have extremely conservative parents, Mm. what does that mean? Does that mean you can't watch certain things, you can't Mm. be privy to certain information, you can't talk about sex, you can't dress a certain way? What does that look like? So independent Baptists are like a branch of the Baptist community. So essentially they're Protestant, but like Puritan Protestants. So I wasn't allowed to wear like, pants long pants that are split in the middle I had to wear skirts that were below the knee you have to wear everything modestly there's no like showing of like your cleavage or anything and sex isn't really talked about I don't really know what goes on before marriage like I think mums have talks with their daughters or something like that or the pastor counsels you on marriage yeah it's just really conservative people are expected when they get married to just have kids and have a family you get married early like when you're in your early 20s most of my friends got married when they were like 20 or 21 and when did you start questioning the church my dad decided that he was called by god when he when i was about well before i was born but he only really told us when i was like six and we moved into the rural areas in australia queensland when i was seven and he decided he wanted to start a mission church thing and I really started to question it when I was eight because I was like what is he on (laughs) like all this stuff that he's always saying it doesn't reflect in our family life it doesn't reflect in what I think about him and I would write angry diary entries when I was eight and I go back and read them and I'm I'm like I was so angry (laughs) What were you angry about? Like, what did you notice in him that you just didn't agree with or couldn't sort of uh, reconcile? reconcile? Yeah. I found him really arrogant, I think. I, yeah, I just found that he was really proud of being a Christian and being this holy, like, Pharisee person that I didn't agree with because I thought Christianity meant that you could be humble and not, like, 
show it to the world like other people would see it in you but he was just really proud of being this person stuck in the 1600s before we move on to how you met Anna I'm interested Mm -hmm. how are women viewed in your household and in that religious space well it's funny actually my mum used to be a Pentecostal preacher so she had a lot of freedom before she married my dad When they got married, my dad told her that she's not allowed to preach. She has to not talk in church. So basically women are like door handles. (laughs) It sounds like they're silent. Yeah, they are pretty much. Every time I say anything that contradicts what my dad thinks, he just shuts me down. My opinion is not important. Tell us about meeting Anna when you were nine. What did you first think of her? What was your first impression? I did not like her. <laughs> she was, she came from where the country I'm from, it's the Philippines, and she was very strong in her faith and she didn't like me because she thought I was immature and I didn't take things seriously enough. And yeah, we didn't talk for a few years. Our parents wanted us to be friends really badly because I had no friends my age because I was homeschooled. So you're both in this very unusual set of circumstances Mm -hmm. where you're both growing up in extraordinarily conservative families. And did you bond over that at all? I know you didn't talk for the first couple of years maybe, but was that ever a source of unity between the two of you? Not really because I never talked to her. But I did find out that when throughout all this time her dad had been cheating on her mum the whole time and it sort of became this thing where it was like yeah our dads are messed up our families are screwed up when she graduated year 12 she invited me to her graduation and I said yeah I'll come and after that she was like I'll make it up to you and then we went out for a day yeah we were sailing on the local river and cycling around and we really just started talking about our lives and We couldn't stop talking. (laughs) What were you talking about? Just life, our opinions about the church, how messed up our families were and how much we didn't really buy what our religion was selling us. Was this surprising to you? I mean, this is a girl that you've been around Mm. since you were really young. Yeah. You didn't speak for years. She invites you out of the blue to her graduation and all of a sudden you're becoming like best friends over the space of a day. Did it shock you? It was really surprising to us because... We had never really talked much. We always hung out in a group of like 15 people. And then we were suddenly hanging out one-on-one. We were messenger video chatting every night and we, we just found endless things to talk about. We were just like, what is this? And why did she invite you to graduation then? I think she felt sorry for me because I never went out. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of sweet looking back now, I guess, for you that she wanted to be your companion yeah she's really nice even if she doesn't like a person she'll still invite them into her life and try to make them comfortable so tell us about those early days of the friendship walk us through what it was like you said you were messaging video chatting Mm -hmm. every day what else were you doing we texted like 24 hours a day I actually went on a holiday to the Philippines and my I had like an iPhone 4s at the time and it literally like blew up because I was using it so much and I had to like keep it charged all the time because we could not stop talking so and then when I came back we went on this road trip down south for like 10 days and yeah we just hung out all of the time after that we didn't tell either of our parents we went because my parents were still in the Philippines and her parents didn't really know where she was she just came with me and we we were 17 so we went down south and we couldn't rent any like hotels or anything because we were too young so we slept in the car next to the beach and we just stayed up all night talking and that was a really good memory what did you do for like meals and stuff oh we went to like this classy restaurant the next day pretending we had money (laughs) (laughs) and you spoke the entire time yes I have no idea how she did it. Like, she can never stay awake. and She stayed awake for me. <laughs> so you pulled an all-nighter because you had so much to say to each mm-hmm. other. On that night in that car, sleeping mm-hmm. side by side, did it ever occur to you that this was more than just a platonic friendship? Well, yeah, I thought it was. But I knew that at the time I knew that she was straight or, like, I thought that she was straight and I didn't really think that she would ever be or I would ever be brave enough to tell her that I liked her. 
And when did you realize that you started liking girls? Like how much earlier did this become a realization for you? When I was, I think I was 16, I was in uni and I was in this like music show choir class and there was this girl, I was in the soprano section and she was a soprano leader and I was just like obsessed with her eyes (laughs) and I was like, why am I so obsessed? And then I realized like a month later. And I was like, yeah, okay, this is cool. How do you reconcile that as someone who's grown up in this incredibly conservative family where you're likely told things that are the opposite, that that's Mm. not okay? What do you start to think at 16 when you start thinking and feeling those things? I freaked out. (laughs) I told my best friend at the time and she was like, no, you're not. You're not gay. And I was like, right, never mind. And it was it was really hard because then I just went Googling things on the internet going, am I gay? <laughs> was the result yes? It was like, yes. And I was like, no. <laughs> was it scary? I mean, I imagine it would be upsetting if the community you're in and the people you know are all conservative. Mm. It wouldn't feel very accepting. Did you feel lonely? I was lonely. I tried joining the LGBT group at my uni, but I didn't really feel very welcomed. And I just felt like I was in a really awkward situation at the time. And yeah, it was really hard at the time. But I started reading a lot of books that were just like with same-sex relationships. And I found something in that. What was it about Anna that you really liked? I liked that I could just talk to her about anything and I still tell her that all the time. Like she's so easy to talk to and I can tell her anything and she doesn't judge me. And I always felt like people judged me for like whatever came out of my mouth because I never think before I speak (laughs) and I just say things. But she always felt made me feel like I was listened to. So at what point do you broach that with her? How do you broach that with her? Well, my best friend at the time, the one who didn't accept me for being bi she was the one who actually told her they were hanging out and Anna was like why doesn't Kate treat me as she does with you because I was really I'm really different with my other friends and my best friend at the time was like well what do you think and Anna was like okay and then So she finally concluded that I liked her and then she spent the next two weeks trying to get it out of me. Eventually I confessed and then I found out that they told each other and I was like, okay, now I feel betrayed. But then, yeah, we talked it over and we decided that we couldn't put a label on it yet because we were too scared. But she really liked you too. Yeah, she admitted that she did as well. How did that make you feel? I was really happy and yeah, it led to a lot of deep conversations and this was around my 18th birthday. Do you kiss when you tell each other that you like each other? What happens? What is the story of your first kiss with Kate? We had a sleepover and we were just talking about it and it was the middle of the night and eventually we just ended up kissing and I was just like, what is this? And then... We woke up in the morning, we were like, we're not going to put a label on it. And then we continued to kiss, which was like, okay. (laughs) So tell us, how do the logistics work when you start not putting a label, but seeing your best friend and you can't tell your parents about it and she can't tell her parents about it? When do you see each other? How do you see each other? How does that work? It didn't work. We tried telling my parents that I was going to see her just to hang out, but they don't like me being close with people. So they started getting really angry. I don't know. I think they have trust issues with me. (laughs) So eventually I just started saying I'm going to uni. I'm taking on an extra class. I'm going to the study group. And it's still like that today. She's your secret still. Still. And this is two and a half years later. Yeah. It's two years and eight months. (laughs) Can you go to her house? I can. Her mum still sees us as, well, her parents still see us as best friends. But my parents don't know that we're close so I, I just say I'm staying at work late or I have overtime or something's come up. And you love Anna. So yeah. what is that like to be in love with someone and have someone take up such a huge part of your life and not be able to openly declare that to the world? It's really hard. 
I really want to tell everyone sometimes, but it's so hard because my parents are expecting me to get married and to have kids and obviously get married to a man. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm always just like, do I just cut off all contact and leave? But then she can't leave her parents because she loves her parents. And I don't know what the future's like for us. What would happen if you guys came out to your church and you told your parents and she told her parents? Tell us what would happen. My parents would be really angry. My dad would probably preach about it for years. His reputation would be ruined because everyone in our Baptist circle would find out and no one would come to church anymore. Her parents would disown her. My parents would disown me. I'd probably, we'd probably both be kicked out the same day and we'd just have to leave and find somewhere else to go. Would you both be considered sinners? What would it be? For those not involved in your church or not Mm. familiar with that kind of religion, what is their view of your love and your relationship? Well, I think that people who are gay are possessed by the devil and that it's an abomination against God. So it's like one of the worst sins or something like that. My dad preaches against it every single church service, so that's fun. (laughs) I just try not to listen because it just makes me angry. Yeah, I just feel like he preaches his opinion sometimes. So when we initially were just being best friends in front of my parents, my dad started preaching against friendship and being close with other people. And that really had me going. I was crying in church every Sunday. So that was fun. Do you think they have any inclination? I don't know. I don't think so. I think her parents might because I'm over all the time. (laughs) But I don't think my parents think anything. They probably think that I just can't find a man. (laughs) Has there ever been a time in the last two years or eight months that either of you have just sat down and thought, this is too hard? We've discussed it. We've been like, "What what if things get too hard? What are we going to do? But we always end the discussion with, we can do this. We've made it this far. Let's just see how far we can take it. Our dream is to buy a really nice house, have like nine dogs, adopt kids, and one cat. (laughs) Somewhere far away. (laughs) But is that utopia still having your families in your lives as well? No. I don't see a future where my parents will ever accept me for who I am or that her parents will ever accept her for who she is. And you think you're still willing to stick it out together to give that up? Yes. Is there an expiration date on this kind of plan? Do you think that will you, the questions start intensifying? You said that so many people in your religion get married in, at 20 or 21. Mm. Will it get to a point where the questions come and they don't stop coming? Yes, but I just I don't know what I'll do then, but I just want to keep going with what I've got. Who knows the truth about you and Anna now? Some of our close friends know a couple of people at our respective jobs, just people we trust and people who we know won't tell anyone else. We always gauge to see if people are open to same-sex relationships. We'll test them out. We'll take them out for like dinner and see how they react. If we think that they're not going to be open to it, we won't tell them. It'll just be a normal friend night with other people. What makes your relationship yours? What makes your love for Anna so special? I don't know. We just really love each other. We love being in each other's company. Everything we do together is like an adventure. It's it's just really nice to go to her place from work and just forget that I have a family that doesn't accept me or who doesn't even like me on a normal day. Yeah, she makes me forget about the world. Why did you choose to come on this podcast to talk about it? Because I think that there are other people like me out there and I think that there are other people who are stuck in relationships like this and they don't know any way out and I just want them to know that I'm like that too and they're not alone. I feel hopeful. I always think that there's hope for the future because me and Anna have made it this far and yeah, we can just keep going. (laughs) We take one day at a time. And so far we've made it two years and eight months and I hope we can get further than that.
When Emma was 18, she met a man named Ryan. She liked him. They got along really quite well. There was just one small dilemma though. Ryan was the father of two boys and Emma, well, she was the boy's babysitter. I met him at a park in our hometown. His wife found me on social media as a babysitter. Um, So I met him and his sons and his wife at the park just as an introduction before I started babysitting for them. So is that kind of to test out how you were with the kids, how you got along with everyone? What was the point of the park meeting? Yeah, because they just moved down. So yeah, she just wanted to get in contact and meet me first. They'd never had a babysitter that was outside of their family. Mm. So yeah, they just wanted to meet and introduce myself to them. What was your first impressions of Ryan? Well, I thought he was really attractive, actually. (laughs) And he was really like caring with the kids as well, which I liked. And we got along really well initially anyway. Um, And I did get along with his wife as well at that first interaction. I did like her. I found her a bit, she was a bit intimidating because she's a bit of a like hard ass kind of personality, which is a bit different to me. (laughs) But I did like her. And was he the opposite of that? Was it kind of like an opposites attract thing with him and his wife? Yeah, I think so. But then kind of as I got, when I did start babysitting for them, I kind of also found that she was very dominant in their relationship Mm -hmm. and he's very humble, I guess, but he just would kind of roll with it because of that's just how their relationship worked. Yeah, that was the dynamic that he settled into. So you get the job. And then how often are you babysitting for the, the boys? I had them two days a week for three terms and then occasionally Ryan and his wife would go on a date night so sometimes on a Saturday night here or there. So it sounds like more than maybe just classical babysitting where you're just doing movie nights it was almost like nannying in a certain aspect. Like I did have to do like laundry and things like that so it was kind of like a nanny but I only had them for about two hours after school Mm. which was two days. And how much did you get to know the family in that time? What did you learn like apart from the dynamic of the marriage what did you learn about the family by spending time with them? Well, it just was interesting being around their dynamic and seeing how the boys interacted differently with each parent, like when they would come home, how their interactions would be. I definitely preferred Ryan's interaction. You know, he was always really happy to see them and things when he came home. And then he actually was working with my mother at the time. So she would often talk to me about him or we had their staff party, which we went as a family to. So him and his family were there as well. So it was kind of getting to know them outside of work like babysitting so talk to me okay so there's something you'll notice a bit in this story emma and ryan's worlds overlapped a heap because they lived in a pretty tiny country town yes she began as their babysitter but she also crossed paths with him after that quite a few times for one as you heard emma say earlier in the early days he worked with her mum so in those first few months i mean you said you had a really good first impression with ryan how did that develop over the first few months did you develop like a crush on him No, not a crush at all. I just kind of saw him as like a client I was working for and I did babysit for lots of other families. I did find him attractive, but we just got along as friends. You know, like when he would come home from work, he was happy to have a chat, not just about the boys, but what else was going on in my life as well. So it was good. What was the dynamic like then when Ryan was around, you were around and the wife was around? Did that ever happen where the three of you were in the same room and what was that dynamic like? It Actually, it rarely happened. There was only times when they'd come home from a date night, but a lot of the time she would just go to bed and him and I, like he'd pay me and then we'd just have a chat about how their night was and everything. So we never actually would sit and chat all together. She kind of would always leave us. Was it clear at this point that something was awry in the marriage, that it wasn't all smooth sailing between the two of them? Not from my point of view. There was one instance I was out at the local nightclub and they were both there and something happened between them two and him and I chatted about it when we were there. So then I kind of had an indication or something's going wrong in their marriage. But he didn't give me lots of details on that first night and they were both, like, everyone was intoxicated. (laughs) Everyone was drunk, so he just was like, oh, just ranting about it. But (laughs) So it is really interesting because clearly your lives were quite intertwined. Like, you were the babysitter, but also, as you said, he worked with your mum. You're seeing him out at nightclubs as well. On top of that, wasn't his wife working with your dad? Yeah, so I finished babysitting for them at the end of term three and then that summer she applied at our family venue and got hired. So then she started working for us for about six months. And how did that go? It got a bit messy, didn't it? Yeah, it was only messy because she was a bit persistent with 
my dad romantically, which caused tension because mum and Ryan worked together. So I was a bit uncomfortable working with her when we did have shifts together. So you were working there too? Yeah. Uh, yeah. For your parents' company? Right, God. (laughs) How messy is this? So how did you know she was getting a bit flirtatious? I just observed it a few times and some of the times she had been drinking and I thought she might just naturally be like that. But then there was messages getting sent to my dad, which he was showing me. There was a couple of times I actually heard her say something to my dad and then, you know, I'd say to her, you're married, you know, and she would be like, whatever, like, so then I kind of just didn't really want to borrow. (laughs) So just to set the timeline up here for the listeners, you began babysitting Ryan's family. How old were you when this began? 18. You were 18 when you began babysitting for them. You then eventually move into full-time employment so you need to pull back from some of your babysitting responsibilities do you keep contact with Ryan and his wife when you're not babysitting as regularly or not with Ryan at all actually we both play at the same sporting club Mm -hmm. so occasionally we'd see each other and just say hey how's going Mm -hmm. but other than that not really I just was primarily spending time with his wife Mm -hmm. at work at work yeah right so you kind of have touch points with his wife do you start dating other people in this time like do you have a boyfriend in this time I did have a boyfriend at that time but we only dated for well I had one (laughs) I did have one boyfriend and then we were together for two years and then we separated and then probably a year later so when I was 20 I started dating another guy for about nine months Mm -hmm. and then we separated as well. All right, so let me set the scene here and help you with the timelines because as we said, this was a tiny town. Everyone kind of knew everyone. So Emma pulled back from her babysitting arrangements when she began working for her dad who also worked alongside Ryan's wife. After a few months there, she moved jobs again. This time, she ends up working for the same organisation Ryan and her mother worked at. If their lives weren't almost completely intertwined by this point, it was about to get a whole lot messier. You see, one New Year's Eve, Emma's mother confided in Ryan's wife. She was emotional and given the two were pretty good friends, Emma's mother told Ryan's wife her marriage had some issues and she wasn't sure how to resolve them. Instead of offering support, two weeks later, when Ryan's wife found out Emma's family were out of town, she messaged Emma's dad. I know they're all out of town, she wrote. Let's see what we can get up to. So that happened and then Ryan ended up finding that out. So then it was kind of this big thing all between them. But when we're at work, Ryan and I talked about it a little bit. And then in the April that year coming, Ryan found out about all this other stuff, about her being unfaithful and things like that. And then they decided to separate. So yeah, he decided to leave. And then him and I talked about it at work that week. And then it was probably a couple months later, a lot of my colleagues were saying, oh, you guys should get together. And I was like, no way, (laughs) that wouldn't happen. But But when they said it, like when they said, oh, you guys should get together, what did you actually feel or think? Well, I felt like I would always blush and I would say, oh, because a lot of them knew I found him attractive. But I just always thought that would never happen. Yeah, like it's too far, it's too much. And I thought, I didn't even think our age was an issue, but I was thinking our history is so intertwined and I don't think he'd ever view me like that. So I just would always be like, no, nothing's going to happen. So when he was confiding in you about all these really deep and dark and difficult things about his marriage, what were you feeling towards him in those moments? Were you thinking this is just a really good friend or are you thinking this is a guy who I really connect with and I really trust him and he clearly trusts me to confide in me in this way? Yeah, I I used to feel like our friendship was growing stronger, you know, and then we'd make more of an effort to, when we'd see each other at our sporting commitments, like we'd make more of an effort to talk to each other. So I did feel like we're growing in that sense, but I never, and I did think I like that he trusts me, but he wouldn't always give me the full story, which was fine. No, didn't want to open up to me fully, but that's okay. Did you feel excited to see him at work? And did you feel excited to bump into him at sporting events? I did sometimes. Like sometimes months later, I'd find I'd be making more of an effort like for my parents. <laughs> and uh, then I'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> you have to like self-analyse being like, what am I doing? Yeah. Okay. So tell us about the turning point then. So there was a couple of weekends leading up to the finals period of our sporting commitments that we would watch the game together and we'd just hang out. And then a few of his mates had said to him, oh, Emma's keen on you, I reckon. And he would kind of was the same like oh no never would happen and then 
there was one game we went to. I said, oh, you're coming back to the footy club later. And he said, oh, yeah, I'll be there. And then I ended up going to a party in Melbourne and then it was maybe 1am, I was coming on my way back and he texted and said, I thought you were coming to the club, where are you? And then I got there and then we just hung out and then went home together. <laughs> was that your first kiss? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We only kissed that night, like nothing further happened, but I like stayed at his house for the next three days. So wow. it was really nice. So what happened over those three days? Did you almost immediately start talking about what this was? No, it was funny because... We were still having – it was grand final weekend for our sporting club, so we had celebrations for the following three days. So, you know, we'd go to the club, like go to the pub with everybody and then just go home together. And we were just having fun, having like light conversations, nothing too serious. And then it was a week later he said, can we go get a coffee and talk about like what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we went for – we just went for a walk to the beach, had a coffee. But he kind of said, I just got – out of a marriage, like I'm not divorced, I can't be getting into anything serious. So for me, if anything further happens, it's just a bit of fun. And I was like, oh, okay. How did you <laughs> feel about that? I was upset, but I did also think I was being naive to think, oh, something further could happen. Like he did just get out of a 13-year relationship. Yeah, and I was happy to just keep seeing each other like for a bit of fun and we did have good conversations as well, so... Did rumours start to swell? I imagine it's quite difficult. Were you still working together at this point as well? Yeah. So you're working together, sleeping together. You're very entwined in each other's lives. Did people start whispering about what was going on? Not initially because him and I really kept it on the down low. I only really talked about it with my sister. Yeah, and he spoke about it with his best mate who lives in Melbourne. So it wasn't like anyone around us really knew it was probably only like five or six months in when people started to say stuff because they'd see us out, you know, like just getting groceries or something for dinner. And they'd be like, oh, you guys are here together. So, <laughs> yeah, just a couple just of friends. <laughs> you can imagine people doing the equation yeah. in their head to be like, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> so you go through a couple of months and you're having fun. At what point do you realise, you know what, maybe this isn't just fun for him. Maybe it's not just fun for me. Maybe this is a, a real thing. Well... Over that probably six-month period, he did end like called quits two separate times, but they only lasted for three or four days and then he rang and apologised and said, you know, I feel like we do have something but I still can't promise a commitment. And then I was just like, oh, that's fine. So we'd still just keep hanging out. But um, there was one night he was really honest just about like things that went on in his marriage and everything you know, and he got emotional and I got emotional just by what he was saying and I just thought, like, how could this happen to somebody? It was probably a couple of days after that I said to him, like, the fact that you trust me enough to say, like, let me in on that level, I think it's more than just a bit of fun for us. So when you started telling people that it was just more than fun, like, this is your boyfriend, like, this is your partner, how did people react? Were there raised eyebrows? Was there judgment? Or were people quite supportive? We've had lots of mixed responses, mostly supportive people and, you know, a lot of people at the club, especially because that's where we spend heaps of time, you know, they're just really happy for us and say, you know, it doesn't matter about the age and all like the bullshit that goes on outside of our relationship. So people are really supportive. There's obviously people that, you know, have their two jobs to say, but we just don't really care. <laughs> what about the ex-wife? Does she know? That was always a big cloud over our heads. Same when we'd go out for dinner. You know, if we'd see someone we know, we'd just think straight away, oh, that person could tell them and then she'd find out. And then, you know, because obviously when you separate with your wife, there's heaps of elements to actually separating. So I think that was always a big issue for us initially. But she found out from other people. But she was actually fine with it. She initially messaged him and said, I know. And we're both like, but yeah, so she was fine with it. And then we've slowly just integrated us spending time with the boys as well. How, how was that with the boys going from their babysitter to now I'm your dad's partner and I play a different role here? Yeah, it was a bit funny. Sometimes it still gets brought up by the eldest one. Like, oh, I used to babysit us. (laughs) (laughs) Don't remind me. Don't talk about it. (laughs) But it's fine. You know, I really get along with the boys and they're really comfortable having me. Like I'm pretty much with them every night that 
they're with Ryan, so yeah, it's fine. He just has a really kind heart and, you know, it's also, I always say to him, it's also his weakness sometimes that he's so giving. Like he'll always put other people's needs or their feelings above his own and he's just really empathetic towards people and he's really funny actually. (laughs) So always makes me laugh. So that's always positive. (laughs) And how do you feel about love? Well, it's funny too because him and I have discussed You know, my first boyfriend that I was with, I was with for two years and like I used to think he's the love of my life and he was my best friend as well. And then my second boyfriend, I felt like I wasn't in love with him, but I loved him. And then, you know, like I say, Ryan and I often talk about how we have three loves because he had a girlfriend prior to his wife as well. And, you know, we just talk about how different the loves have been and then like he always cracks jokes that your third love is the like the one. He's like, your first love is like lust and your second love teaches you about relationships and like teaches you lessons and then your third love is the one. So like we always joke a bit about that, but it's definitely a different kind of love to what I've had in the past. Love Etc. is a production from Shameless Media. Sign up to Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move towards friendship, professional and romantic relationships. We'll be back in your ears on Friday.